Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. I'm your host, Greg Goins, excited to bring you another great conversation this week on how to lead transformational change in your school. This week, Dwight Carter, an outstanding school leader from the state of Ohio, is my special guest as we talk about his new book, Be Great, Five Principles to Improve School Culture from the Inside Out. Dwight is an award-winning principal. He now serves in a central office position as Director of Student Support Systems near Columbus, Ohio. He's also the co-author of two other wonderful books, Leading Schools in Disruptive Times and What's in Your Space, which offers tips on school and classroom design. Be sure to give Dwight a follow on Twitter at Dwight underscore Carter. So be sure to go to Amazon or wherever you find your favorite books. And be sure to buy this book by Dwight Carter. It's a really good one, folks. If you're online, cruise over to my new website at reimaginedschoolsnow.com. Not only will you find the podcast there, but you'll also find information about my new executive coaching program that will launch in 2023. So if you want to connect and learn more about what that's going to look like, I'd love to have you jump on board and be a part of the Reimagined Schools team. Finally, I want to give a big shout out to my friends at Rocket PD. As you know by now, Rocket PD is the official sponsor of the Reimagined Schools podcast. So you want to check them out at rocketpd.com. But let's get to it. My conversation with Dwight Carter begins right after this quick promo from the Education Podcast Network. I'm Josh Swartz. And I'm William Millingworth. Hosts of the High Tech Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello again, everyone. We are back at it again with another great conversation this week on the Reimagined Schools Podcast. My guest today is an award-winning principal, a popular speaker, and author. His most recent book is entitled Be Great, Five Principles to Improve School Culture from Inside Out. A big welcome to Dwight Carter. How are you, Dwight? I'm doing great, Greg. How you been, man? I'm fantastic. And, you know, we're neighbors. I'm in Kentucky. You're over there in Ohio. And uh, I know you're doing a lot of great things uh, in the district. You're now in a central office position, and I want to jump into that a little bit and talk about the book. Uh, but I guess the first thing I'll do is I want to give you a compliment to really two. number one, you're always the best dressed guest I ever have on the <laughs> podcast. So you're making me rethink my format. I may have to do video in the future, but you can't see Dwight cause you're listening to audio, but he always has a great, uh, look, a bow tie. Uh, so that's compliment. Number one, number two is you've got to be the most positive person I've ever met. So I always, <laughs> I always get a kick out of talking to Dwight Carter. Well, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. So, uh, the, go ahead. You, the bow tie is uh, if you look at my, and you see the cover of my book. Actually, the bow tie is in the on the cover of the book as well. So there's a there's a story behind that one. Well, what is the story? Let's jump into it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, when I was uh, when I left the principalship, I was a, a an effectiveness and leadership coach for this company called Dynamics, and I was also working for the International Center for Leadership and Education. And so, um, as I, so I was venturing out on my own and, um, the, the owners of dynamics said, you know, I started asking like Dwight, do you have a logo or anything like that? And I didn't, um, cause we were talking about, uh, in creating some, um, 
like a, a leader or workshop or a training series over the be great principles and so anyway so long story short um i sent some ideas to a graphic designer and that then that person came back with a few other designs that didn't really capture it and so um, he asked a little bit more about why I wear a bow tie. So I explained that. And then he came back with the a bow tie emblem with the words be great um, beside it and underneath it and around it and whatnot. So, I, you know, he gave me a couple of options. And I like that look as well because it um, the way it's designed, it's almost like an infinity, like forever, like keep going. And so I looked at it as um, like forever be great. And so I thought I would include that in the the um the cover of the book as well well i mean again i'm a big fan of the bow tie and and uh again you're such a positive guy so you you've written a couple really good books prior to this one that are some of my favorites you wrote a book about school space which mm -hmm. really was able to dive into this idea of we need to create better spaces for gen z students and mm -hmm. we had some great conversations on that the last time we had you on the show then you wrote mm -hmm. a book i guess you had a crystal ball because you wrote a book about leading uh, schools through disruptive times. You actually wrote that before COVID. So, uh, you know, that's another great book. Why did Dwight Carter want to jump into uh, school culture this time? Well, school culture is always something that has been very special to me and is very foundational to any work that we do in schools. Like without, you know, I think Bill Daggett, and I don't know, somebody coined it like um, culture each strategy for lunch. And that's true. And so um, culture is all about and I like this definition. I think I got it from Steve Bowler, but I, uh, I've i heard it before and I've kind of made it my own as well, is uh, school culture are, is the traditions, beliefs, norms, and values um, that the adults model on a consistent basis. So it's all about adult behavior. And if we don't focus on the adult behavior, that will greatly impact student outcomes. So that's where culture is so important. And I've, I've always known that, but I was never able to articulate what it really means to me. And um, over the years of, of building leadership and, and learning and, um, you know, constantly going to conferences and doing some research, uh, especially nowadays, culture is just so important because it creates that sense of belonging. And if you look, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, even though it's not truly a pyramid, it's more of a, a ladder or a stepping stone, or um, it, it's not linear. I'll put it that way. Just before achievement, you'll find you'll see that a sense of belonging is so important. So it's hard to achieve at a high level if you don't feel like you belong, and that belonging is all embedded in what school culture is. And you know, um, it, it's kind of a chicken or the road type of scenario whenever I think about school culture because. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you walk into any bookstore and I talk about this a lot, but you walk into any bookstore, the largest section is usually related to leadership and management. And mm -hmm. a lot of times these books are written by, you know, the coach that just won the Super Bowl. And, yeah. but you know, does that person still have a positive school culture when they go eight and eight the next season and miss the playoffs? Right. So right. what comes first Does culture, uh, do you have to have a great culture to be successful or does success come first and then you build a school culture? What are your thoughts on, um, you know, you can have a school culture when things are rocky, a positive school culture. Yeah. It may be more difficult, but I don't think it has to be one or the other. No, I don't think it's one or the other. I think to sustain success and, and retain, you know, quality employees, staff members, and, and get people talking positively about your school, you need a positive school culture. 
Uh, I think that that's paramount because that's all about focusing on and, and meeting the needs of people, the people that you serve, the people that you work with, the people that come in and out of the school, the people that um, are a part of the school community. That That's all culture. And if culture is not addressed, it will be established, but it may not be the one that you want. And then the results will show that. And so um, all the schools that I that I've worked worked at, and all the people that I worked for and under, um, they emphasize culture in every way, shape, or form. And so, you know, going back to some of the books, you know, Mark Mark White and I wrote. Mark White is my great friend and mentor. He's the co-author of uh, Leading Schools in, in Disruptive Times and What's in Your Space. And then the second edition of Leading Schools in Disruptive Times, uh, he emphasized culture quite a bit. And none of those things would have happened. Uh, the books, the concepts we talk about and what's in your space, none of that would have happened without a cult, without the positive school culture. Because you can talk about technology integration. Uh, you can talk about designing the space. You can talk about bringing in soft furniture and, and adding bright light and, 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 and different colors of paint and making a very bright, uh, bright and vibrant space. But if the culture is not set for uh, positive interactions to occur, a uh, high level of accountability or student voice and choice, uh, staff voice and choice. The design of that building, of that space makes no difference at all. And, and, and if you don't have a positive school culture facing the disruptions that we're facing now, it's like, you know, complex diversity issues, complex technology and, and ever-changing technology, uh, school safety, that's physical and mental and emotional safety. If, if culture, your culture is not positive, those disruptions will be very destructive. And so we can't avoid the disruptions, but we can respond appropriately to make sure the disruption doesn't cripple us. But that's what culture is all about. Yeah, and I think that's well said. And, and kind of to play off my football theme, I'm a big college football fan. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you're probably an Ohio State Buckeye fan there in, in Ohio. I'm a Kentucky Wildcat football fan, so we've had our ups and downs this season. But, yeah. you know, Nick Saban uh, is considered the greatest football coach of all time. I think he's won seven national titles, and they're playing mm-hmm. Ole Miss this week. And the Ole Miss coach had a press conference earlier in the week. And uh, Nick Saban always talks about rat poison. Whenever you talk about how great we are, that's the rat poison. And if we start to believe Mm. the headlines, you know, that's when we get caught. And Lane Kiffin, the coach at Ole Miss the other day, said that uh, if they're talking about the demise of Alabama football because they've lost two games this year, that's goat fuel. And I thought how that related to, to schools. Schools have rat poison. I mean, you look yeah. at your test scores, you know, some years they're higher than others, but if you right. fall in a trap of thinking that your success is defined based on what your test scores are, that could certainly be, be rat poison. And then what is the goat fuel for building a more positive school culture? So that's kind of a loaded question, but kind of a fun way to think about it. What is the goat fuel for building a positive culture? Thinking that you are, you've arrived, meaning think about, thinking about your culture is, is is great and positive, but then you don't have to do any more work to sustain that culture. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. My current, my superintendent, Dr. Miller, she always says, anytime you add one new person to the team, you now have a new team. Therefore, you have to reteach the culture. You have to reteach the the mission, the vision, the values, and the principles of the culture. You have to reteach the behaviors that are required to sustain that culture. And you have to have a high level of accountability to ensure each and every person is living up to the values that we say we want to live up to that create that positive culture. So it's it's the goat fuel is thinking that you've arrived and thinking that you don't have to do any more work 
uh, to sustain that culture. So going back to the analogy that you that you mentioned, and thinking about sports, you know, you have some like the Bengals, for example. Uh, they started off, you know, they went to the Super Bowl, almost won it. It was a phenomenal year. They started off this year. I think they were 0-3. People were talking about Super Bowl slump. The Bengals are out of it. They're done. But then they just they turn things around. And and that says a lot about uh, you know, who they are as a team, uh, the ownership, the players, the leadership within the locker room. And the GOAT fuel for them could have been, we've made it to the Super Bowl, so we're good. We're, no, we're great. And we just have to sustain what we were as opposed to thinking like, no, we, we new season, we got to start all over. And we got to keep building on, building upon the success that we had by focusing on those foundational principles that got us to the Super Bowl in the, in the, the previous year, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. And so, okay, so let's use that coaching uh, theme again. Mm-hmm. I think of the principal as a coach. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're coaching teachers and you're there to help support them and you're working with kids and trying to create the best school environment possible. Do you mm-hmm. think that the the personality and the demeanor of the coach, in this case, the principal, uh, can either have a positive or negative effect on the culture just by the way they go go through their day? I mean, we talk about the fact that you have to be purposeful and intentional yeah. each and every day in building a strong school culture. But what if I'm a very introverted person? And what yeah. if I what if I'm not in every classroom every day? You know, what are your yeah. thoughts on just leadership and building culture? Well, leadership is key. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And so the leader, the building principal, probably is the most influential person in the building, good or bad, right or wrong. It's just the reality of it. Here's a here's an example. If the leader of the building says um, punctuality is a priority, but yet that person, um, that leader cancels meetings at the last minute, shows up late to meetings that he or she organized and shows up late to school at times, people will notice that, they'll see that and they say, oh, if he or or she is late, then it must not be that important. Therefore, others will then be late and then it becomes a part of the the tradition or the or the beliefs or the the values and norms that the adults model consistently, but if the leader if the leader says, you know says punctuality is important because it's a sign of respect, um, shows up on shows up early, is prepared, doesn't cancel meetings, and um, honors everyone else's time, and then celebrates those who do that do those same things, and then corrects those who need that correction and hold them accountable to that standard that will be a part of the culture as well. And it's, it, it all rises and falls in that leadership. Again, the leadership, I think, establishes what's, ex, what's expected, influences the behavior, and then reinforces that behavior through modeling. Yeah. And, a, and, lot you know, easier, a lot easier said than done, without question. You know, yeah, I, like and, I said, I, that was, that was, that's, it's a, it's a much easier said than done. And, you know, we've both been building principles. It's been quite yeah. some time since I was in that position, but I mean, you know what teachers are, the last one to school that arrive at 7.59, the first one waiting by the door, ready to head to the car when the bell rings. So you know those things are happening. And sometimes you have to have some tough conversation with folks just to keep your culture moving in the right direction. So I I think that's very important. But, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with people 
you know, regardless of what's going on in your personal life, you know, people have struggles and challenges every day in their mm -hmm. personal lives. But you yeah. need to leave that in the car when you walk into the schoolhouse because yeah. kids need us each and every day. And, and I know you've had those conversations yourself. Yeah, and I've and I've had those. I've had to have a, have a talk like that as well. Um, when I was at New Albany, I was just struggling personally with some things, emotionally with some things, and just wasn't bringing my best self. And I, I'm I'm thankful and and happy that I had um, leaders who cared about me as a person, and they sat had to sat have a, they sat down with me. It's like, look, the way you're, we know you're struggling with some things. Um, we know you're in counseling and things like that, and which is good. And they said, however, we still have, you know, we still have work to do. If you're not able to do it, then let us know and we'll get, you know, we'll we can get some FMLA leave or whatever. I'm like, nah, I'm I'm good. But that was that that call that I needed and that conversation I needed to say, needed to have to say, yes, you have a lot going on. Everybody has stuff. But with that stuff, if you're able to come to work, you still got to perform at a high level and, and not just participate, meaning you show up, but you got to perform at a high level. And so that was uh, and I was happy and, and thankful that they had that honest conversation with me, which gave me the courage to have the conversation with a few other people that needed to hear that as well. And, you know, one of the things I've heard you talk about, which I, I find really cool, you talk a lot about gratitude, of course, yeah. but there's also a science of happiness. There's yes. science out there's research out there that that will you know, validate that happier people are just more effective. Yeah. And so not just more effective, but they, they're much more influential. And so, you know, we all we talk about happiness quite a bit. And that's the first core principle of my be great principles in the book is, is, is to be grateful. And that just simply means you appreciate the tangible and intangible gifts and blessings that you receive every day. And also that you um, are welcoming and acknowledging um, the things that, that happen to you, happen with you and for you. And so, you know, if you if you're ever down and out or just need a boost, show some gratitude and 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 be intentional with the gratitude. And so one of the things that that I that I used to do when I was a building principal and I do now in my position as director of student support systems is I, I make our write handwritten notes um you know, cards and I give them to the people that that are that report to me or when I was a building principal I'll walk around and just either hand it to the teacher, secretary, custodian or whatnot or whatnot or put it in their mailbox um with a little, you know, um like a gold star or something like that, a lapel pin. And, you know, to this day, I still have people who have those lapel, those lapel pins on their name tag or on their, their lanyard or something like that. Or I see the handwritten note posted on their card on their desk or on the board behind them or something like that, which shows that that really, they appreciated that. And uh, I think I received more out of writing the notes than they did in receiving those notes. And so why gratitude is important. One main reason is that, you know, we have about 56,000 thoughts a day. And out of those thoughts, about 80% of our, those thoughts are on a negative cycle. They're just, they're negative loop. When you get up in the morning, you can, you start up, you start off complaining, you get to work or you're driving to work, you complain about the traffic, the weather, or, or even that you have to go. Uh, you get to school, the copier's broken, you know, somebody's in your parking space. There's something that happens and you you just you're constantly feeding yourself this negative talk that impacts your attitude, that impacts your actions, which therefore impacts your outcomes. And so we have to um, show some gratitude, practice gratitude, not just have an attitude of gratitude, but practice gratitude to break that that cycle and focus on positivity. It doesn't mean we ignore the negative. 
it just means we don't stay in that negative space. We don't stay stuck there. We have a strategy or a tool or um, a move to get out of the negativity and then move forward um, and with a positive mindset. Hey guys, Dr. Greg Goins here, and I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. We'll get right back to the conversation after this quick shout out from our sponsor, Rocket PD. There's one thing we can all agree on. The days of sit and get PD are over. That's why my friends at Rocket PD have assembled the best experts on the planet on the hottest topics on education with a mission to create the world's largest community of educators committed to helping teachers and staff succeed. So prepare for launch by going to rocketpd.com where you can connect your team with the most inspiring educators on the topics that matter. It's professional learning fueled by passion. Visit rocketpd.com to join the Rocket PD community and download your free ultimate guide to K-12 PD. So join Rocket PD today and get the help and support that you've been searching for. You know, I'll be the first to admit that I'm a little sentimental. I'm one of those guys that if you if you send me a card, I keep it. I have a box full of birthday yeah. cards, anniversary cards. I, I don't know what I'm ever going to do with them. They just take up space in the closet. But when I was a principal, when I was a superintendent, uh, anytime I got a handwritten thank you card or note from someone, I kept it. And from time to time, yeah. I go back and look at those. And it's amazing just the impact it makes just to kind of lift you up when you're having a tough day. Yeah, it's funny. My wife and I were we were sitting in, a, in our great room yesterday, last night, actually. Um, she asked a question about, um, actually, it was, it was a Bible verse. So I said, let me let me go get my, I have a concordance there that, that, you know, digs deep into some of the scriptures. And I open it up and these three or four notes fell out of it. I was like, man, what are these? So I opened them up. Man, these were from like 2002, 2003. I think one was from uh, 1999. They were from students. And uh, and I, I reread them. I was just like, wow, man, this is fantastic. So it completely boosted my mood uh, for the night. And it gave me, you know, it, it helped ground me and center me back on this is why you became an educator. And so it was it was a it was a unique um, unique experience because I I I don't know if she's ever if I ever read those letters to her but but I was I started reading some of them and so it was it was a special moment for me and for her. So let's dive into the book a little bit and yeah. uh, the be great great G R E A T is an acronym. Yeah. Can you go through the the five principles of great? Yeah, so it's be grateful, be relational, be enthusiastic, be authentic, and be teachable. So grateful relational, enthusiastic, authentic, and teachable. And as you go through the book, you're going to find, um, you know, different pieces of that, that will yeah. help you in your day-to-day -day work as a school leader. Is this a book that, um, is it a, a blueprint or a guide that school leaders can use to kind of improve the culture yeah. of their building and their own professional practice? Yeah. And it's not just for formal school leaders just for anybody in the field of education actually it's, it's for anybody who's walking and breathing like you do not have to be an educator to to you know fill uh, live out these principles because gratitude it's is universal uh establishing positive relationships that's universal being enthusiastic i i, I have a dis different twist on that um when we think about enthusiasm we often think it's like an outward expression of emotion 
But the reality is, if you think about the root of the word, it's entheos, which means inspired or possessed. So I look at that as, you know, God, God inspired, God possessed. In other words, what's your purpose? So for me, enthusiastic is purposeful. So I'll really dive deep into helping or reminding people to um, work, live, function, operate within your purpose, which then will um, bring you great joy, but also greater influence with the people that that you're around. And then authenticity is mainly just that, are you, are you able to, do you know who you are? Do you know your strengths? And are you able to show up as your best self on a day-to-day -day basis to get the outcomes that you want, therefore, um, thus improving the school culture and creating the conditions for others to be all, their authentic selves? So it goes down into, it goes back into really understanding your, your, your communication style, your ability to adapt to others. There's your ability to listen and learn from other people, your ability to know and identify your strengths. Like truly, we all have strengths within us, but do we know what they are? And do we do we have our do we know our blind spots and are we able to receive feedback about those blind spots? So that's what it all means to be, be, be authentic. And then the last one is just being teachable, just being willing to learn new things in the hyper change world that we live in today. It's imperative that we are we're teachable because we have to learn new things every day and learn primarily learn how to adapt to the ever changing times, but also understand like what are the core principles that ground us. And so when you think about applying those four or those five principles, uh, it's very hard not to have a positive school culture. And the subtitle of the book is create, creating the positive school culture from the inside out. So oftentimes, we, and you know, you're mentioning today, we're asking about the leader. If each and every person takes re responsibility for who they are and how they show up, and are they aligned to the values and, and mission of the district, you'll have a positive school culture. So it's owning the personal responsibility for how you show up. And uh, the premise of where that comes from is the only two things we can control in life, which are, which are our attitude and actions. Yeah, and that's great advice for everyone, yeah. not just adults yeah. in the building, but kids in your building too. And I know that's yeah. where your heart's really at, working with kids, helping yeah. kids. And in your central office position, I heard you describe your job as director of student success as your goal is to remove barriers for students and build a bridge for success. So yeah. if we talk about kids for a second, and, you know, we've had, again, we've had great conversations about a different type of student, this Gen Z mm -hmm. student that we work with today that's connected to, to technology and all mm -hmm. those kind of things. What are the, the greatest barriers that you found in this work that you're doing now that kids really need us for? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so my, 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 the department that I run is direct or student support systems. So that includes health and wellness, climate and culture and intervention services. So those, those are the three buckets. So the barriers that I think um, students are facing Number one is, you know, challenging mental health, mental health and wellness right now. There's some significant issues that students are facing, um, not just post pandemic, but, but prior to that, um, anxiety, depression and other, you know, mental health issues um, were on the have been on the rise for many years in our country. The reasons why are vast, but uh, we can dissect the reasons forever, but we still got to respond to it and do something about it. So, you know, we focus on how do we get our students ready to learn each and every day? And for students who need more mental health and wellness and support, 
Uh, we have, you know, we have social workers in our district. Our counselors are now, our school counselors are very equipped to support and help to students walk through and learn strategies to um, regulate their, their emotion so that they are ready to go back to the student, go back in the classroom and be ready to learn. But we also make sure that each student has that go-to person in the building um, that can help them manage their emotions, um, teach them strategies on how to be, like I said, how to manage the stress, because stress is just a part of life, and then get back get back in the game and, and, and perform at a high level. Um, in our intervention services, you know, some students have some cognitive barriers, some emotional barriers, so we make sure that uh, we provide additional supports for those who need it. Um, and we also make sure we don't lower expectations. We maintain high expectations to the best of our ability. And our main goal to, to support that is we have to ratchet up our levels of support. So we're really diving deep into, you know, universal tier one interventions that, that every everybody in the classroom um, and the school building needs to implement. And so we're shoring those up. We're looking at our tier, tier two interventions for those who need that support. And then even our tier three, who, who you know, that small percentage who need additional help. So we're really like really ratcheting those up and making those um, known. We have breakout sessions during PD days to um, make sure that our teachers are leading our teachers and sharing the ideas and, and success stories in their classrooms so that it's, um, it's not, uh, we try to demystify how to respond through and provide tier one, tier two, and tier three interventions. And then through climate and culture, you know, we're focusing on, do we know our students? Are we making equitable decisions? Are we making and removing things, move, removing um, barriers so everybody has access to a high quality education? And uh, are we providing and bringing the best adults that we possibly can every single day to our, to our school building so that the students are um, seeing the behaviors that are modeled and that are expected um, so that the culture is conducive for learning. So those are some of the barriers, but also some of the ways we're removing those barriers. And, and you know, there's never been a, a better time in the world to be a learner because you have so much information. And I've heard you oh, say yeah. a few times that the most important thing students can get from the school experience is to learn new skills. And yeah. I remember, I, I don't can't remember who I was having this conversation with, but they said, you know, Greg, when we were in high school, the number one question was, what do you want to be when you grow up? Today, mm -hmm. the number one question is, what big problems do you want to solve? And yeah. you have to be, you know, skillful in how you're going to solve those problems. Yeah. And, and so at, in a career tech school, we are positioned perfectly to answer that question. Um, so, I, I, again, I'm in a career tech district. We have 36 career tech labs. Um, everything from interactive media and graphic design to um, pre-engineering, electrical tech, auto, 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 um, automobile technology, um, medical office, culinary arts, criminal justice. I mean, we have a wide a, array of, of programs. And, you know, nowadays, it's not college or bust. Uh, I think that that has really become old thinking and the new thought is how do we help students get to their next step what we call in our district their next e so how do we prepare students for their next e not their only e but their next e and those we have four e's further your education enlist in the military entrepreneurship or straight to employment so students really know what they want to do next and we help we help get them there 
So we're not saying you have to you have to choose this one and this is the pathway that you go to go on forever. Because Gen Z, like you mentioned, Gen Z is all about choice. And it's even stronger with the generation following them, which is Generation Alpha, which is my daughter. She's a, she's Generation Alpha. Doesn't know a world without voice and choice and um, uh, uh, input. And so that's what our Gen Z students are facing. They want that. They've experienced some very challenging times. And they've, they, they, they recognize that schools can, school can be done differently. And how are we, how are we going to go about, go about doing that? Because they want to see that. They want to have some options and some choices. And so our students choose to, they choose to apply to the career tech school. So from the jump, they're ready to go. They're ready to learn. And they want a completely different experience. And so what we're doing is we're really ratcheting up and working on our academic side of our career tech uh, labs. Because um, the students are in career tech labs half the day. The other half of the day, they're in academics. So, you know, mathematics, science, uh, social studies, um, and English. And so we're trying to create those that inquiry-based learning that they experience in their labs every day. Do that. Do that same. Have that same experience uh, in the academic classes because that's what our students are asking for. You know, every time I talk with you, I'm just blown away because I, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, we've talked about millennials, we've talked about Gen Z, and now we're talking about Alpha. We spend so much time as adults worried about our own professional practice. We don't take the time to think about what this next generation of kids truly need. Yeah. And so I, I want to give a shout out and a recommendation um, based on what you just said. Mark White just published a book with Corbin um, that addresses what you just said. It's called Five Gen Leadership. And it's because the reality is in, in schools today, there's five generations. You have the boomers who are pretty much in higher leadership, uh, superintendent, assistant superintendent, then the Generation Xers, my generation, maybe your generation, we're principalship and moving into higher higher level leadership. And then we have Generation Y um, are, teaching, are in the teaching profession, some Gen X also teaching. And then Gen Z, the older Gen Z are now teachers. They're now in the in the in the realm of running their own classrooms. Think about how they how they grew up. Again, it's all about choice and voice and empowerment. They want to be a part of the solutions and they don't want to be told what to do. They want to like just introduce me to it, but let me figure it out on my own. I don't need I don't need you hovering. I just I just let, let me figure it out on my own. Again, they want to own it. And then you have Generation Alpha that is also in school. So leading as a an organization with five different generations with all very different needs and different points of views of the points of view of the world, that's a very real challenge that leaders are facing. So Mark did a lot of research and, and um, brought some things in from the from our first or second book, Leading Schools in Disruptive Times, uh, studied the market trends, studied a lot of like the economics of, of society and looked at the generational gaps that exist in the skill sets that are the skill sets that that are needed and changing and put that all in a, in a very well a very well written and um, empowering book to help leaders figure out figure this thing out because <laughs> it's it, it's not um, there's no one way of doing it because there's so many different needs with so many different generations and in, in, in the same place. Always packed full of such great knowledge, Dwight. I can't <laughs> thank you enough for for your time for being here. You're killing it again, and I go out and get the book, folks. It's a good one. So thanks for your time, Dwight.
I appreciate you, uh, Greg. Take care, buddy. You too. So that's a wrap on this episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating and leave a comment wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. As friends of the podcast, I hope you can give me a follow on Twitter at Dr. Greg Goins, where you can learn more about my work as a partnership ambassador with the Modern Classrooms Project and also about my work with Brave Ed, where innovative school districts across the country are leading change through a benefits-based accountability system that allows school communities to redefine student success. So until next time, folks, thanks for listening and keep fighting for change in your schools.